0: General nerdery.
1: Okay, so I'm going to get this joke out of the way first because it's a bad joke, but it jumped in my head and I just can't get it out. All right. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. Holy octogenarian, Batman. Robin's turning 80. <laughs> it's yeah. dumb. It I hate it, but it wouldn't leave my head.
0: <laughs> hey, if it was me, I would have just ended up making a dick joke, so.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's going to come everywhere. Uh, ooh. <laughs> anyways this is general nerdery this might be a weird episode guys we apologize right now this is a podcast about liking things uh yeah and i'm tyler and i'm zach uh and
0: we're still doing this remotely so hopefully you all have been enjoying that because
1: i think it's been turning Uh, out pretty good you know other than random like noises i think we're doing okay yeah yeah I'm looking forward to being able to see your face, but... I know, I make those noises sometimes anyway, so, you know. Just, just as a regular, just to, like, keep the vocal cords
0: in practice. That's right. Um, we are recording this episode at a weird time compared to normal, so uh, we're skipping
1: the news. <laughs> yeah, we usually have about a week in between. We have two days in between our recordings this time, so we'll just have... Lots of news next time, and uh, just simplicity this time. That's right. But in the meantime, um, what have you been ingesting, Tyler? What what media has been hitting you during the uh, the dark times here?
0: Uh, well, there's been nothing like like new, I guess. I, I've just sort of been getting caught up on everything I kind of do all the time anyway. Uh, I would gotten. Uh, I mean, I've this entire time I've been active with For Honor. But there was an event that I wanted shit from, so I spent more time than on that than the normal, and fell behind on everything else. But uh, all this week has just been like getting caught up on like Battlestar episodes, so that I'm caught up with Battlestar Galacticast, And I am f- finished off with Supergirl, Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow up until where we're currently at. Um, getting caught up on
1: Harley Quinn. That's about who, it. This is going back to what you were saying earlier. Who, who do you generally play in for honor? Like, cause it's what it's Vikings, Knights and samurai or something like that. Right. Um, so my faction is the Vikings. That doesn't
0: uh, surprise me at all. And then, but like my main, like I'm having a little bit of a crisis right now. Cause, uh, like a season and a half ago, they changed the way my former main played. To the point where I don't enjoy it as much anymore, and damn you, video game updates! Kind of just like cracking out on all the different fashion options, and just leveling up a a few different characters to the point where I can get them like outfitted the way I want and shit. So
1: um,
0: nice,
1: just playing dress up.
0: Yeah, a lot of playing dress up. It's been fun, but. I'm kind of excited to start getting back into other games. Like, I'm still going to be active in For Honor all this year because they're dropping two more heroes, but uh, it's it's starting to fade because I've I've accomplished most of what I want to accomplish in it. So, yeah, Um, I've started getting harder into the new Mortal Kombat, and that's been uh, a lot of fun. So, is that the one they put Hellboy into? I want to say no, Hellboy was an injustice too. Oh, okay. And that
1: was also fun, on.
0: and I did play a lot of that as well. I definitely dig all the NetherRealm Studio stuff, but I was gonna say it's the same company, right? Right, right. So it all plays a lot the same way. It's just that Injustice is PG thirteen and involves a lot more superheroes, and Mortal Kombat is super hard R.
1: Oh well, here's my surprise that injustice involves superheroes. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh,
0: what about you? What have you been ingesting? I've no. just been getting caught up Let's on see. shit. I have nothing new. But
1: yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I was actually reading this thing about when there's too much going on in the world. Sometimes you have trouble starting new things mm-hmm. because your brain's just like, "Well, nope, too much trauma right now. It, it don't have don't have the energy for something new." Uh, so there's been a lot of catch up on my part. I've been keeping up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, we watched quite a bit of Star Trek. We just finished the fifth season of Next Generation and are about to start the sixth season. And I watched, uh, because I'm watching it through with CC. Mm -hmm. Uh, we watched the first episode of Deep Space Nine and I forgot how bonkers that first episode is. Uh, uh, f- first season Star Trek is always kind of weird Like no matter what series Right That, that one was weird because it was the first time that they were like There was a Star Trek side series And then on top of it they were like Oh you think you understand Star Trek about these happy people Living on like a starship Going and exploring space Well all of that's wrong now Let's introduce you to trauma babies everywhere
0: <laughs> I never I don't think I ever watched any Deep Space Nine
1: Deep Space Nine, I think, has the best story of them because it's one of the first that has like an overarching plot as opposed to let's go see what's over there. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of a lot of science fiction that we enjoy today can trace a lot of what they're able to do to Deep Space Nine. I do not think you could have done the kind of political slow burning story that Battlestar Galactica does all the freaking time. Right. Without Deep Space Nine doing their somewhat hamfisted fisted attempts to do it first.
0: And it's funny that you brought up Battlestar because uh, Ronald Moore, who was the showrunner on Battlestar, uh, also worked on Deep Space Nine.
1: Yeah, Moore was really involved in all of the Star Treks of the 90s. And I think Deep Space Nine... I think that was one of the ones that he was like most involved in. It was that in Iris Stephen Bear that was like their baby. Uh, yeah, and
0: uh, I the 2004 Battlestar series apparently is kind of where he got to do
1: all the storylines that Star Trek wouldn't let him do. Yeah, I remember watching that for the first time, and I was expecting like, yeah, action, because I didn't really know what. Uh, Battlestar was, and like i I'd, I'd seen a little bit of the original series, and mm-hmm. it kind of looked like cheap Star Wars, so I was like, yeah, come on, man, give me some knockoff Star Wars, And it was not that no, no, it got <laughs> <At> all <laughs> heavy. uh, it's been a lot of fun going through it lately, but no,
0: it's, yeah, trauma babies, as you said, <laughs> yeah,
1: uh apparently he's good at that. It's kind of his thing. I think he's involved with the Orville now, though. Although that might be Brandon Baraga. I'm getting my Star Trek creators mixed up. Yeah,
0: sci-fi well, guys. <clears well, <clears <throat> well, we'll we'll deep into that later on sometime. I'm sure. Yeah, Unless the point of this episode. Oh, I guess I did. Th- I I did think of one new thing that I started ingesting, but it yeah? it ties into something else that I've already watched through. Um, I did start listening to starting now which is a podcast that goes episode by episode through HBO's Barry.
1: That fits with your fondness for Barry. Um, Um, And it's
0: done by the CinemaSins guys, so it's a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) I did... uh, I've done some audiobooks of The Belgariad, which is a series that... That's not new at all. I've literally read that series like 15 times. (laughs) It was the series that got one of... It's not the series that got me into fantasy, but it's the like first good fantasy I probably read. Because mm-hmm. uh, the series that honestly got me into fantasy was Xanth, and Xanth is fucking terrible in retrospect. You too? What? Uh, Xanth is where I started. Where I, started. I think it's terrible. A lot of people started on it. It's easy to read, and it's dumb. Right. And I There's I, some I still hardcore have a, Xanth
0: fan that's pissed at me now. I still have a giant love of puns just because
1: of Xanth. Oh, see, I have a giant hatred of puns, and you can probably trace it back to Xanth. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Xanth doesn't age well. Oh, man, that first book is just wildly misogynistic. How far Uh, did you get? Um, uh, I I got in like 10 books. It was somewhere around... I haven't read most of these since middle school. So, uh, Ogre Ogre or Nightmare Area?
0: Okay, so you never got to some of the other problematic stuff like, uh,
1: like in The Color of Her Panties. He wrote a book called The Color of Her Panties? Yes. God, I hate Piers Anthony. I
0: think that was book 13 or
1: 14. Um, I was checking them out of the Washington Middle School Library, so I just, I bet they just didn't have that one there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I read the first 27. The first, how many did they have? More than that.
1: Fair enough, okay. (laughs) Wow, that's 27 books worth of puns. You make so much more sense to me now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and they only get more punny as they go on.
1: Yeah. Well I guess I read Red Wall and like Mossflower books before Xanth, but again, that's yeah. Anyway. Xanth is also not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, I do not want to just do a deep dive on Xanth. We'll we'll skip that one. <laughs> um what we are
0: here for is some dick.
1: Oh, Let's God, get to yeah, the straight dick. Yeah, that's gonna be your favorite joke. Let's just let's just get to the dick of it all. Uh we're here to talk about Dick Grayson aka Robin aka Nightwing aka Batman aka the first Robin uh who turned 80 this month. We don't have the actual date because they didn't keep great records about comics back in 1940. Right. But April 1940. <laughs> yeah, April 1940. We can trace it back that far.
0: So Uh, as far as, as far as this character goes, I know that you're going to have more to say than me, not that I don't have any love for Dick Grayson and I will definitely have things to say, but I know that you like the character a lot more. And so I was thinking we could break this down into what still seems like a lot. And that's five, sort of five sections. Okay. First section, who is Dick Grayson? Uh, who is
1: Dick Grayson? Okay, like, go ahead. Sorry, but, go ahead. Like, I'm, just
0: give us, um, like, backstory. Go up until, but right up until he starts to assume some different roles. What lays the groundwork in just about every
1: incarnation of Dick as to who Dick is? Someday I'll stop laughing when you say the word Dick every time, but you just put a little bit of emphasis on it there, bud. <laughs> uh, um Richard Grayson and also like creators and stuff uh, was created by Bill Finger and technically Bob Kane in I don't know when he was created, but he he first premiered in April of 1940 In a really great cover of him jumping through like you know, those circus things they used to have, or they'd like hold up a hoop and there'd be like paper in the middle and they'd jump through and be like, Oh, look at this mm-hmm. uh, Batman holding that up, Dick Grayson jumping through. He was created to bring in an appeal to younger audiences because especially in the 1940s, teen sidekicks were popular or like teen characters were popular additions uh, to bring in younger readers, which is interesting because these days, younger readers have very little patience for teen sidekick characters. Uh, yeah, that's
0: kind of true, actually. It's like, why the fuck would I read about him when like the nor- like the main person exists?
1: He uh, was created as a combination of creating someone to to mimic, to not to mimic, to, do not mimic Dick Grayson. Um Uh, Someone that would appeal to a younger readership, and he was based off a combination of Batman and uh, Robin Hood, specifically, hence the name Robin, and the color scheme fitting the kind of Merry Men colors, you know, red, green, yellow. Well, and that
0: that Uh, first cover appearance of his isn't even his name done in like old timey
1: looking font and shit. I would have to look at it again, but I believe that's true. That was a pretty common of some of the earlier stuff. Circuses were incredibly popular in the 1930s and forties and fifties. And that's kind of when they stopped being as pop. But anyways, which is where a lot of the superhero costume comes from. The underwear on the outside, for example, is a replication of strongmen from circuses. Dick Grayson took that to a... Uh, took that a step further and he was just straight up a circus acrobat right let's let's take this grim dark trauma baby detective Batman you know the shadow knockoff who were trying not to have him just be a knockoff anymore and let's literally give him a circus kid it brought in a level of cheeriness to Batman that hadn't existed before then that first issue, I want to say, also is the first appearance of Catwoman, or at least one of the other like big Batman villains. So it, it was a very, very important first issue. Mm-hmm. In universe, Dick Grayson is, as I said, Richard Grayson, son of... I can't think of his dad's name, but his mom's name is Mary uh, Grayson, acrobats at Haley Circus, the Flying Graysons. They refuse to pay... I don't remember if it's them specifically or if it's the circus in general, refuses to pay protection money to a mob boss named Tony Zuko, who then sabotages the trapeze. So when the uh, when the flying Grayson's go to do their trick, it snaps. The two parents fall to their death. Dick Grayson is introduced as a trauma baby adopted by other trauma baby Batman. Mm hmm. Apparently, trauma baby is just my term for the day, yeah. uh, but it's applicable here. It's that's true. Um, um, and that.
0: See, I, I said there's five sections that already concludes section one, because that basically sets up Dick before he becomes everything else. Yeah, because then the next big thing is Dick as Robin.
1: OK. OK. From the 1940s to the 19 uh, late 60s, Dick Grayson is always there. It becomes Batman and Robin. Uh, they change the world, honestly, during this time. Uh, from in-universe perspectives of, oh, we saved the galaxy, to there were congressional hearings about a book that implied the bat not implied that stated that Batman and Robin were gay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about it before. I've always wanted a copy, although I think I would just rage while reading it. The Seduction of the Innocent by Professor Wortham uh, had congressional hearings about it because Batman and Robin were gay and Wonder Woman's a lesbian. And like the creators were like, well, half of that is right. Uh, I just realized that I, I told you earlier in the week,
0: and this is going to interrupt the thoughts of Dick as Robin for a second, mm-hmm. but I actually like managed to do a lot of reading this week, week to try to refresh my brain on some Dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, before we get into all these different aspects even further of Dick Grayson, I'll actually let you know what I read. <laughs> yeah, hit me. Yeah, because... I knew this. I knew I could have just went to you and been like, "Hey, so before we do this episode, I want to get a little bit further boned up on dick."
1: Oh, Jesus Christ, Tyler!
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and I know that you would have recommended me some stuff. But I mean, not for nothing. I know I know a few things here or there, and uh, I knew that no matter what I read, it probably wouldn't be a surprise to you with what I'm bringing to the table. But I didn't want to be like with both of us coming in being like, Oh, we covered these four specific things or whatever,
1: other than Stop like hiding the dick, man. Tell me about it. All right. Uh, Robin year one classic Chuck Dixon and
0: Marcos Martin. Uh, so that way I could read a little bit of uh, Richard as Robin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to jump in on some, uh, Richard as Nightwing so I just used that as an opportunity to uh, check something off my reading list anyway and finally got around to reading the Judas Contract so I could
1: see him become Nightwing you know I've honestly never read that story like I've seen bits of it but I've never actually read Judas Contract oh it's good but parts of it age not good Really poorly. Very. Death
0: strokes a pedophile in it. That's almost not as bad
1: as Changeling. Okay, we'll we'll I'll track down a copy and we'll read that a different day. Yeah.
0: Um, um, hmm. Then I read the Black
1: Mirror. Ooh, Black Mirror's super good and weird and good. So that I could get some uh, Richard as Batman. That's uh, Scott Snyder and Jock, I think. Yes. have it over there um
0: and then the one thing that uh we did kind of want to make sure to touch on because it kind of started off wanting to do this episode in the first place is i did read the first five issues and the first annual of grayson awesome uh to get in some agent 37 so oh
1: grayson's so good it's sitting in front of me
0: so uh dick grayson obviously is the original robin What's special mm-hmm. about him as Robin now that there's been so many Robins?
1: Um, I don't think he is not my favorite Robin. He is my favorite characters who have been Robin. Like, if does does that make any sense? Yeah. Uh, I Dick Grayson kind of defined the role and everyone else got to figure out who they were in relation to Dick Grayson in the same way that Robin had to figure out who he was in relation to Batman. The difference is Dick Grayson is healthy. <laughs> Mostly, um, like. He deals with trauma for the most part. He tries to grow and be better than he is, while Batman is part of Batman has never left that has never left crime alley. Mm-hmm. He's still that little kid sitting there in front of his dead parents. Dick Grayson definitely misses his parents and is definitely very much that child, but he's been able to move on beyond just that moment. Um, I, I heard a description once that if you took Batman and Superman, like as two ideologies or two like poles of the DC universe, Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson would be the person somewhere in the middle, which is what makes him probably the best and most useful. I could say that. Because he's not as, I don't want to call Superman naive, but he's not as, uh, idealized, um, okay, fine, naive. He's not quite as naive as Superman is, but he's not nearly as hard-bitten and grudge-filled as Batman is. hmm uh, and I think the thing that was most valuable for him to Batman and valuable with him as Robin was that he made Batman have a sense of fun as well.
0: That was going to be the thing that I was going to mostly bring up with him as Robin, is that it felt to me – I don't – as Robin, he's kind of – it feels weird to say generic because he's only generic because he defined the role. yeah.
1: Because he was the original.
0: Uh, right. So I don't mean that in a way where I'm putting him down at all. It's just that there's nothing – like, he he set up what that role is. And so, of course, it feels generic because everyone – like you pointed out, everyone else is building off of that in a way.
1: Well, and for us, we grew up in a time where there have been multiple Robins by the time that we were starting to really kind of pay attention to comic books. So he he really is, you know, the generic one for years though he that it wasn't like he was the
0: robin Mm -hmm. so i would say also for me like what i like about uh about him as robin is his effect on bruce um he almost brings out the bruce side more rather than just batman batman yeah i i completely agree with that um And that's throughout. That's almost throughout all eras too. Because even later, when he's like more grown up and he's Nightwing, he he almost be then rather than simply being his ward as Robin, he's now someone who Batman
1: can see as a friend at times. He is probably the person Batman trusts most. He is one of the only people who is able to call out Batman able to call out Bruce, like, you know, Batman trusts Alfred implicitly or as much as Batman is capable of trusting someone implicitly, but Alfred will very rarely be like, Hey, you're being an asshole right now. You need to knock it off. Right. And Dick Grayson's the one that will be like, Hey, you're being an
0: asshole right now. You need to knock it off.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or he's also the one that's like, we need to make you smile. And that's always a really strong moment. When something's going, when things are going extra bad for Batman, not just, you know, normal, I'm Batman bad. Mm -hmm. And Dick Grayson will show up and it'll usually be like not even planning anything specific, but like, oh, there's a heist going down. The Riddler's up to something or, oh, look, these, you know, small time gangsters. Uh, And they'll go interrupt stuff and Dick Grayson will just crack jokes at him the whole time until finally finally he gets Batman to smile about something. Mm -hmm. And it's always a really powerful moment in a good Batman story when that happens, because it's so rare to see Batman smile. Uh, Like no one else can really do that in the same way. Right.
0: Do you have a favorite Dick as Robin moment?
1: You know, it's hard because most of the time that Dick Grayson was Robin is during an era of comics that we talked about this in the DC episode Isn't super iconic. Right. So I was trying to think about this. I've got one from a really bad movie. (laughs) Uh, Which really bad movie? Batman Forever. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, But it's the movie that got me into comic books. So I I have a definite affection for that movie. Hey, uh, Um, me
0: and Chris O'Donnell share a birthday.
1: So... Poor Chris O'Donnell. I feel like being Robin did gained him no favors in life. No, no, it, no, it didn't. Not at all. <laughs> um, but there's I, I don't remember why Batman is being buried alive in sand. I haven't seen that movie in probably 10 years, but Batman's being buried alive in sand by some trap from Two-Face or something. And this is after. Dick Grayson has discovered Bruce's Batman, and Val Kilmer Batman has told him to fuck off. And uh, I, Is it the he, hand? Yes. And like his hand bursts through and grabs him and pulls him out, and Batman clearly can't move in that uncomfortable rubber costume that poor Val Kilmer's wearing throughout that whole movie. That is a... Uh, in a bad movie,
0: that is a really good moment. It would probably be a great moment if they would have cast... Someone a bit more age appropriate for Robin rather than Chris O'Donnell.
1: Yeah, they always seem to want to age Dick Grayson up a little bit. And if you're going to have Robin, especially if you're going to have him be Robin, let him be Robin. Let him be be the boy wonder. Otherwise, it's just kind of weird. But that is a really
0: good moment, actually.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, that movie had a really good movie That it wanted to be And never quite pulled off Apparently one of like One of the like Wayne brothers Or something like that Was originally going to be Robin In the Tim Burton movies Yes uh, And he was going to be Not Robin at all basically Other than he called himself Robin And like Stole the Batmobile So pulling a Jason Todd Yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Well and they that, took a crowbar to that idea.
1: Oof. Oof. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Uh and then from What do you have a give me an iconic Robin moment if you have one and I'll I'll think of For me, Robin, uh I don't
0: like I said, like I kind of So Dick Grayson isn't is also not my favorite Robin, but he's my default Robin in my
1: head. <laughs> sure if enough. I've, mine's Tim Drake, but that's because that's who was Robin when I started reading.
0: Yeah. If I think Batman and Robin, I immediately think Dick Grace and Robin, not any of the other Robins. Oh, yeah. But my, I don't know if I have any particular moment, but it, I always just kind of go back to when I first saw Robin, which would have been in Batman 66. Like I have a big affinity oh. for Burt Ward Robin.
1: We really do have to at least give a shout-out to Burt Ward. I am I am not a fan of Batman 66. It's a TV show that I just find painful to watch. Although they did a Batman 66 comic a couple years ago that I was able to... like. I don't know if it was just because I was reading it and so I could do it at my own pace, but I was able to, to get into it a lot better. Mm. But Burt Ward apparently was a heartthrob for a whole lot of uh, young women who were watching Robin, the boy wonder
0: in which in is his little short
1: shorts in his little shorty shorts, which is actually kind of appropriate. Cause one thing that I wasn't sure where we were going to mention it, but we have to is Dick Grayson's butt is legendary. Women fans love Dick Grayson and they specifically love his butt. This is true. Uh, it comes up in Grayson like every 10 pages or so. um, um <laughs> There is. Uh,
0: especially once it, the word kind of got out, there's definitely a lot of times where it gets highlighted with him as Nightwing.
1: Well, with Nightwing, he doesn't have the cape anymore. He doesn't have the full... Um, he, he's just got like the full bodysuit. So in classic comic book style, everything's tight, you know, skin tight. Uh, So in a lot of the illustrations that were coming out, you were seeing a whole lot of look at that Dick Grayson butt. And apparently people did.
0: (laughs) Uh, So we're already starting to talk about Nightwing. And I guess my favorite Robin moment isn't just a Robin moment. Because it's Robin's story arc in Young Justice. Where you meet Dick as Robin... And he's still really trying to be Batman. But he wants yeah, to... Yeah, he- especially in those early episodes. But he wants to help. And to be the best help, he has to become the leader of the team. And he's not a natural leader in the way that, like, Calderon is. Mm-hmm. And so he has to learn how to take that responsibility on that se- on himself. And as he does we get to see him mature into uh, the Young Justice's version of Nightwing.
1: Yeah, because in that first season, he was not ready to lead at all. But they're all like, well, this is inevitable. Like, well, and especially the early missions,
0: he's trying to, like, lone wolf as much of it as he can.
1: Yeah, he's trained by Batman. Like, that's what Batman do. Um, but because he I, I cares, think that-
0: he wants to help and... Uh, I mean, truly the best help is for him to be to step up and become the leader that he does.
1: But I I think I'm gonna agree with that, even though I'm not going with Young Justice specifically, but just kinda of anytime Dick Grayson leads the Teen Titans, mm. or the Titans, or whatever version of it, uh, I really like. It really showcases why Dick Grayson, I think, is so good at what he does. Cause Batman, as a tactician. Should probably lead the Justice League, if we're being honest about it. Yes. He's got the brains, he's got the planning. He is so piss poor at people skills, though, that it rarely goes well when Batman leads literally anything. Dick Grayson has people skills, though, so he's he's got the best of both. He's not as good a tactician as Batman, but he's still... Trained by Batman. He still has the skills on every level.
0: Right. He might not be um, Batman, but he's kind of
1: the next best thing. Yeah. And as I'm assuming we'll get to in a later stage, he proves he can be Batman too. Right. But, uh.
0: But between anytime, there, we watching... have him as Nightwing.
1: Oh, yeah. But anytime that Dick Grayson, Robin, Nightwing, whoever steps up to lead the team. Especially when that first they're like, why would you lead the team? You don't have any powers. And then he really quickly shows why he's the best option for it. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted I I've only seen the first season of Titans, I haven't seen the second season of Titans, the the live action. I liked that guy as Dick Grayson and as Robin, and I really wanted to see him step up to lead the team in a way that they were showing he could, but he hadn't done it yet by the time that I stopped watching. And I also need to get completely caught up
0: and don't know if he's done it or not by now either. So uh, I was really enjoying the fact that Titans addresses the fact pretty head on that raising someone to be Robin is an abusive way to raise a child.
1: Yeah, uh, r- the the concept of Robin is one of those things that quickly falls apart in any form of reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they took it. A little far in Titans, but I guess if they were going to be like, well, Batman was a shitty father, they decided to really, really lean into Batman was a shitty father. And, you know, most of the 80s and the first half of the 90s was defined by Dick Grayson and Batman trying to deal with the fact that Batman wasn't the best dad in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and was having a whole lot of trouble with the idea that Dick Grayson... Even if at the beginning he wasn't quite an adult yet, he wasn't a kid anymore either. And, you know, how do how do we deal with each other as equals and not as I am the boss and you will do what I say?
0: So, yeah, that's that's true. Dick is Nightwing, which is probably where I'm least familiar with him.
1: See, this is where I became a big fan of Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson becomes Nightwing in somewhere in the mid 80s in that uh, series that we were just talking about, The Judas Contract from New Teen Titans.
0: Tales of the Teen Titans, number
1: 44, put out in July in 1984. Uh, from Marv Wolfman and George Perez. He is wearing what is not the iconic uh, <laughs> Dick Grayson <laughs> costume, but is, is an insane George Perez. It is... George Perez is one of my favorite artists, but his costuming designs are just off the wall, and everything about this costume bleeds through. There's gold bits, there's a huge, like, uh, uh, collar bit, there's a, I want to say an open chest for part of it. Yeah, it's like the deep V chest, uh, like a lighter blue
0: collar that's, uh, like, edged in gold feathers, Mat the for the light blue he has like the matching go-go boots
1: it is so 80s it is the most 80s thing I have possibly ever seen Um, part of me loves it most of me hates it
0: I I like the novelty of looking back at it and being like oh yeah that was the first Nightwing and in some in some panels it works
1: It is a product of its time. In most panels. (laughs) George Perez could do some pretty good stuff with George Perez designs, but a lot of times they didn't translate well to other artists. I mean, this is the same guy that created the monitor and the anti-monitor for Crisis on Infinite Earths, which you infamous infamously hated the anti-monitor design. It's... You're just going to have to look it up. I don't have a good way of describing how deeply weird this costume is when you think of, like, Batman. There's always kind of a level of practicality to it, even even compared to the Robin wearing the, like, short shorts. This is a bizarre costume choice,
0: which he gets really quickly. Also, in the story, he just sort of like, oh, now I'm going to be Nightwing. Look, now I got a costume look, now I have an ice version of the costume.
1: Yeah, it was very like, well, I guess I'm Batman now, except not Nightwing. Uh, Nightwing, the name is taken from a Kryptonian legend. The idea of there was a vigilante on Krypton who battled in justice, yada, 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 and his, uh, his deeds were recorded in the Fortress of Solitude. And in Nightwing year one, who is written by Chuck Dixon, who also wrote Robin year one and wrote most of the Nightwing stories from the 90s, Mm -hmm. like really defining who Nightwing was, um, had a story where he's been fired. Dick Grayson has been fired from being Robin. He's not sure what to do. He goes to see Superman. He goes to see Clark Kent because why not? You know, if if you're really mad at Batman and you need advice, Superman's probably the person to go talk to. Uh, And to give him perspective, he takes him to the Fortress of Solitude and shows him the story and tells him the name Nightwing. And he's like, oh, I like that. And he steals it. Well, so it. I I did want to point out that
0: that's post-crisis. That's true. Pre-crisis, there was a Nightwing. That was Superman.
1: You're right. It was Uh, Superman and Candor.
0: Him and Jimmy Olsen um, made... Nightwing and Flamebird. Yeah, made characters based off of Batman and Robin to perform their their heroics. Uh, But they couldn't name themselves Batman and Robin because people didn't know what the fuck a bat was or a Robin was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So they went with Nightwing and Flamebird the early Nightwing's appearances are a little rough, although you do get a good sense of why Dick Grayson's a good leader, but it's also the first, you know, five to 10 years is late eighties, early nineties, which was a weird point for comics. Anyways, Mm -hmm. Dick Grayson's costume evolves. He loses the big collar. He gets a long ponytail because late eighties, early nineties. It becomes a mostly blue costume with like, a gold V shape that looks kind of metallic and like plates. It's a very weird look, but it's not a terrible one. Mm -hmm. It's a forgettable one, I think. Uh, and then shortly after becoming Batman briefly for the first time, he gets what is the iconic, as far as I'm concerned, nightwing costume, which is the all black bodysuit with the blue V on his chest that folds up into the arms and then like blue stripes down the arm. It is. Oh, and the very iconic Nightwing domino mask. That's got the points on the top and the bottom. Um, this has become so go ahead. Oh No, 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 you're finish this first. I was, I was going to say that that look has become so iconic that they keep stealing that shape of domino mask for other Robins. They do. Don't they? Like, they can't stop themselves. They keep being like, oh, this looks cool. Let's just put it on all of the Robins.
0: <laughs> so where I'm mostly familiar with Nightwing is I'm kind of good with him in Injustice. That's about all I have to add is Dick as Nightwing.
1: <laughs> uh, this is where I first started t- noticing who Dick Grayson was. Um In Batman Forever, when he's trying to pick names before he picks Robin, Nightwing is one of the ones that he drops off. And I was like, that's a cool name. And then found out later on that that's the one he actually ends up with does adopt. I picked up a Nightwing comic uh, when I was a kid because just on the strength of Dick Grayson's costume from that point, it looked so cool. And the idea of this. Someone trained under Batman, this acrobat trained under Batman who has gone off and found his own path was very appealing to me. And this is a point, Dick Grayson as Nightwing, where his strength as a leader really comes into play. During his time as Nightwing, he leads the Teen Titans. He leads the Outsiders at one point, And at one point, he leads the Justice League. Like, he's... One of the only people to have been on all three of those teams, let alone been in charge of all three of those teams. Mm. Uh, I know it's happened
0: multiple times, but what what is it during that? I've seen his transition. I got what I'm getting at is I've seen his transition from Robin to Nightwing. What's the transition from Nightwing to Batman that happens?
1: Uh, Usually it's because Bruce is not available. Um, The first time it happens is a storyline called Batman Prodigal. Prodigal. Basically, during Nightfall, the story where Bane breaks Batman's back, Batman chooses Jean-Paul Valley, also known as Azrael, to become Batman instead of when when he's broken. And Nightwing's like, hey, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, you know, I, I know we're not as close as we used to be, but come on, man. I've, I've been working with you since 1940. I mean, they don't say it that way, but like clearly Dick Grayson is the choice. And that goes terribly wrong. And Bruce Wayne re- recovering at, with the help of Tim Drake and Dick Grayson has to take down Jean-Paul Valley, but he's still unsure of himself. So he leaves, but he does assign Dick Grayson to be Batman this time. And he explains that the reason he didn't pick him before was he had seen how much work Dick had put into being his own man that he didn't want to force him to be kind of a copy of himself. Mm-hmm. He he wanted to let Dick be his own man instead of, you know, having to be Batman. And that's really the point where their relationship started to improve. Uh, and during that storyline, there's nothing that iconic about it. He, he's Batman for a little while. He is, kind of a a Bruce clone during that story because he's trying very hard for no one to know that uh, he's not the Bruce bat he's not the original Batman Mm -hmm. and then he later takes over again during the Grant Morrison run where Batman is believed dead and they've got his psychotic murder assassin son Damian Wayne my favorite Robin well, he's got to be someone's favorite Robin, <laughs> so you have fun with that. Uh, I, I
0: I don't dislike Damien, but <laughs> I like um, having a Robin that makes Batman seem like the happy-go-lucky one. I, I just
1: that's fair. I just like having
0: that flip after seeing the other way around for so many years.
1: Uh, and that's what was fun about the Batman and Robin Grant Morrison run was you had. Dick being Batman, and not like I'm temporarily Batman, but he thought he was just going to be Batman now. Um, and at first, he's like, "I can't do it. I can't be Bruce." And Alfred's like, "Well, then don't." Batman is a role, you know, like sh- like uh, Hamlet or James Bond. It's your job to take on the role, but you get to give it your own flair, and we get a happier a uh, Batman who smiles. Uh, it's actually how Two Face realizes that it's not. Bruce I mean he didn't know it was Bruce in the first Place but he's like wait a second Batman doesn't smile That's Nightwing (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's awesome So that one was fun because We got to see Dick Grayson become Batman Under his own terms as opposed to Like a temporary measure and you see a much healthier Batman, and you get to see, again, some of the strength of Dick Grayson. Of He can do pretty much everything Batman can do, but he doesn't have to be a grumpy trauma baby the whole time. Right. He, he can maintain relationships with people around him.
0: That... I hadn't read a lot of Dick as Batman, uh, but... I had here and there in a couple spots, and then reading through Black Mirror let me think harder about just that all in general. And I really, really like him as Batman. Uh, I was telling somebody else earlier this week, like, oh, yeah, I just got done reading the storyline in Dick Grayson's Batman, and they're like, oh, that's weird. How was that? And I was like, well... I guess like if the world needed saving and Batman was pretty integral to that needing to happen, I think I would prefer it was Bruce, but if I needed saving, I would 100% prefer if it was Dick saving me.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, easily. Uh Dick Grayson's the only person who can be Batman who doesn't get subsumed by being Batman. Uh yeah, like he's still Dick Grayson through through whatever role he plays. He is Dick Grayson first and foremost. Bruce Wayne is Batman. The weird alternate futures where Tim Drake takes over. Tim Drake, like it's, it goes terribly anytime Tim becomes Batman. Jason Todd tried to take over Batman and just became an angry murder man. Like, I mean, he's Jason Todd. He's kind of leaning towards that already. Right. But Dick Grayson was able to, is the only person who's able to be Batman without it destroying who he is at the same time and i would rather hang out with dick grayson any day of the week over batman bruce wayne uh yeah or superman honestly
0: <laughs> yeah actually i I'd, I'd agree with that too the other thing i mean i guess it's just he can do the same job with different motivations bruce mm-hmm. tries to save people because He's trying to prevent them from having to feel the things that he felt when he lost his parents.
1: And in Dick's case, he succeeded. Like, we should really comment on that. Mm -hmm.
0: When Dick is Batman, he's trying to help people because he helps people. That's part of
1: who he is. Dick Grayson is kind. Yes. He's... He's just kind of a nice, fun, loving guy that wants to help out. He's kind of like the doctor in that respect, like that Peter Capaldi quote of like, "Um, I'm just a madman in a box traveling through helping out where I can take out the box part. And that's just Dick Grayson right there.
0: Um, oh, I kind of skipped over it. Do you have a favorite, um, uh, Dick Grayson as Nightwing moment before we jump into any favorites as Batman?
1: Uh, any, as I, I was saying before, I think it's kind of any time that Dick Grayson comes back and is like, hey, for old time's sake, let's go fight crime together and I'll make <laughs> you laugh and make you calm the fuck down and maybe shave and take a shower. Um, I don't have a, a single moment. It's, it's just fun to have him show up and be like, you guys are all being dicks. Hey, relax. Have some fun. Stop being mean to each other.
0: Cause so I like I said my my dick is Nightwing goes super shallow so mine is as simple mm-hmm. as just like when I'd pull off some of the combos in injustice they look super and you're cool like, that was amazing I love his fucking staff slash baton combo the electricity everything was fun so.
1: Uh, they they talk about it in Grayson, which we'll get to, but Dick describes his own fighting as like freeform jazz, and I really love that description of it's just weird and all over the place and kind of peppy, but can be really, really good. Uh, the fact that they've always worked and the fact that he's an acrobat into his fighting style, I always appreciated. Uh, do you have any favorite Dick as Batman moments? Really just the first couple volumes of the Batman and Robin, Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley run, I think, um, where he is being fun and he's, uh, not being respected by Damien and Damien keeps trying to show him up, but he's also like Damien's good and raised by the League of Assassins, but Dick Grayson was raised by Batman and is Dick Grayson doesn't matter how good this thirteen year old kid is, he's still not going to get the one up on Nightwing, Dick Grayson, Batman, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um and not and showing Damien up not just as the tough guy, but like also, hey, maybe relax, maybe have some fun. And the sheer absurdity of that run, because they were really if you liked Batman 66, you would probably like that run because it leans into some of the crazier kind of drug inspired aspects of weird, campy Batman, mm-hmm. but mixed with a more serious story. I'm going to have to read
0: more of that run. I've I've seen little bits here and there, but never read a, a good
1: chunk of it. Grant Morrison's Batman run is just insane. It is some of the weirdest shit I have ever read, but it is well, when it's on point it's really really good well that's because grant morrison likes drugs yeah and when it's bad it's pretty bad but for the most part it's a really solid run i, I recommend it a lot for people who enjoy dick grayson and people who enjoy batman because it's different i
0: will i, I will throw out the caveat that i my recent reading has probably influenced my favorite uh Bruce, oh, not Bruce. Dick is Batman moment, because uh, it mm-hmm. is from the Black Mirror. But well, that book
1: was super fucking cool. So uh,
0: I I feel like oh maybe not. I've never seen anybody bring it up. I feel like it's it's a little throwaway moment though, but it stood out so much to me. Um, there's a part pretty early on. I think it's the second time he meets up with Commissioner Gordon and they're just going over uh, a little bit of what they know of the case and, and what they're trying to do and track down so far. And, like, the information isn't even that big because it's still pretty early in the storyline, so it's not like you're having any bombs dropped yet. It's, he's still, you know, just laying down some of the early detective work. And Gordon mm-hmm. says da-da-da-da-da, and he goes and he flips off the light, the, the bat signal, and he comes out from behind and he just sits there looking for a second and you see you see the word balloon come in from off panel and dick's asking like hey, "Gordon is there? Is there anything wrong?" Like what's what's wrong? And he just says, "Well, I'm just I'm not used to you not disappearing." <laughs>
1: yeah. Cuz I mean, Batman always like Gordon turns around and Batman disappears but um, i
0: felt like that says a lot about who he is as batman as well.
1: Well, he's a nice boy. He's not just going to disappear mid-sentence. That's rude. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, i don't know, that it's it's a weird little moment, but it stood out so much
1: to me. Um,
0: as as to just how his batman is
1: comparatively. He's way more considerate of the people around him. Is really what it is. All right. Dick Grayson
0: as agent 37 in a row. Anyway, what (laughs) I had to throw in the inner row. It's
1: 37. Okay. Um, (laughs) So in the storyline forever evil that happened a few years back, Dick Grayson is revealed to the world as nightwing and then quickly seemingly killed. Batman uses this time to convince Grayson to go undercover to take on a spy organization called Spiral, which is at first look kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D., but it's much more kind of like zany 60s James Bond spy organizations from like the the Sean Connery movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he becomes as uh, as. Sean, uh, who did the Legend of Zelda episode with us, and he he was very insistent that I covered this episode, or that I covered this <laughs> Grayson part, as he becomes non-misogynistic James Bond, is the plot. What if the, Dick Grayson became James Bond and wasn't a sexist pig?
0: Which is how I had heard you guys describe it to me, and I'm not going to say that that's not accurate, because it is. Oh, yeah. But and it came off to me With a slightly different twist. Okay, what's... To me, it was a lot more like the
1: Kingsman minus the anal jokes. Okay, so non-misogynistic Kingsman, I would also roll with that. Uh, Just because Uh I feel
0: like his role uh, within Spiral and the way he's also coming into the world is a lot more... Reminiscent of what's his name Eggsy is that his name Eggsy yeah Uh, Rather than like what we think of
1: as bond at any time really That's true he is kind of the more down-to-earth outsider that's brought into the crazy spy organization Uh, And this is a lot of fun because you really do get to see the full depths of his skill set at this point he's working with the most dangerous spies in the world and making fun of them the whole time while playing at their level or better. Um, he, they they keep trying to give him crap for refusing to shoot people. And he's like, I'm really good with a gun. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, at one point he describes himself as the spy who throws his gun. And they're like, no, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, I- I've already done it. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Well, and he throws his gun in, what, the, f- the first issue and thinks nobody has a chance to see the cool thing he did by bouncing it off of the moving rail right into the dude's head. But you see Midnighter all the way, and he's like, yeah, that was
1: cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Midnighter, and I mean, I've recommended the Midnighter series that spun off from Grayson twice now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite two things of Grayson... The the general one is just any time Dick Grayson and Midnighter are flirting with each other, usually while fighting or being horrible to each other, uh, because Midnighter is kind of angry gay Batman. And so, of course, someone like Dick Grayson with his infamously good looking butt is going to be very interesting to Midnighter. And it kind of drives home one of the things I like. Dick Grayson will flirt with anybody. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's always portrayed as hetero. That's fine. That's whatever. But he is not. He's not uncomfortable with Midnighter hitting on him. He'll play back at it, being like, you're right. I am very attractive. This is fair. <laughs> uh,
0: well, what, there's one point where he tells Matron, uh, Helena Bartonelli, Huntress, <laughs> um, that he's the pretty one.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's very aware of it. He's – that's – like, as I said, his butt comes up constantly throughout the history of Nightwings in particular. That series ramps that up to 11. He's – part of his undercover is being like a gym teacher at a private girls' academy and – See, I'm the just have- getting to all of that. Like I'm, I'm
0: six issues in, and where I'm at, he's about to have his first major fight with Midnighter. They've had two issues where they've uh, encountered each other so far, and I just caught, got past where the girls chased him all around the campus, and the girls were fucking hilarious they like, too.
1: They name his butt, <laughs> uh, like the the specific cheeks to the point. I'm like, part of me is like, this is kind of weird, but it's also pretty funny and uh treated as pretty harmless. Mm-hmm. They they did a at least in my opinion, they did a pretty good job of like, we're gonna make jokes about sex and stuff, but we're not going to be creepy about it. And I think one thing that helped in Grayson is they did it both ways. Yeah. It wasn't just like, oh look at the boobs. It was like, oh look at the sexy
0: people. I'm really enjoying Grayson and I'm going to keep reading it. I do have to say, I'm more excited just to see shit happen to Spiral because I really don't like them.
1: No, uh, watching everything go bad in Spiral is really fun. When he goes back to being Nightwing is a really powerful moment Ooh. too. But I am—I was—I'm also appreciating it because it means I'm finally reading some Tom King, which I have not yet. Tom King's a weird writer, but he's another one that when he's on point, he's really good. And Grayson's probably his work that I've enjoyed the most. Um, The only part of Grayson I didn't really care for was the Robin War crossover, Mm. which was great an idea, but it didn't. I don't know. It never really landed. It's fine. It's forgettable, which is too bad because the rest of the series was really good. So fine, but forgettable was uh, jarring. Is there any
0: of Dick's relationships? Who do you ship him with?
1: Batgirl. Barbara Gordon. Every time. That's what I, I was going to go, go for, too. It.
0: But, I mean, he is one of the characters that is sort of allowed to date around at times.
1: So. Yep. Uh, him and Starfire are a really popular pairing, especially to people who watched the cartoon, the Teen Titans cartoon, before they watched... Um or before they read any of the comic books, a friend in high school and I used to just get in really angry fights over this. She, she was strongly Starfire, and I was very pro Batgirl. Uh, part of it because he was dating Oracle, because that's who she was at the time when I first started reading, so that was like the first association. But I just think they're a better balance for each other. She's someone that gets his world a little better and someone who I thought was better holding his feet to the fire than Starfire was. Like, in the same way that uh, he can tell Bruce, stop it, you're being a dick, Batgirl's the one that can tell that to Dick Grayson.
0: I enjoy that a lot of the times that even when they're not together, they have that relationship still, too.
1: Yeah, they're... I they're love her close.
0: putting him in his place, like you just pointed out.
1: <laughs> they're kind of, uh, because I've been watching a lot of Star Trek, Diana Troy and Will Riker. Hmm. Like, they always have some chemistry going on. Even when they're not dating, they're very close to someone, as people who are have a lot of history together. And they'll call each other out when they need calling out. And they'll give affection, even if it's like just a hug, when they need it.
0: Uh, is there anything about Dick that I haven't brought up? Because I was sort of guiding it along, but I'm sure you also have other thoughts. Is there anything we didn't get a chance to hit that I'm just not thinking of right now?
1: The main thing that we need to hit that that I promised Sean that I would mention mm-hmm. was there's a scene in volume four of Grayson where him and a uh, guy named Tiger Tiger, who is one of the or, no not Tiger Tiger, something Tiger. I don't know. Tiger isn't his name who is another one of the spies have turned against spiral and they're just taking out the other agents and Dick Grayson just goes, it's time for a theme song. Tucker's like, no, please don't do that. And the next three pages is just, uh, like splash pages of those two fighting various spies. while Dick Grayson sings a song about himself to the James Bond theme. Yeah, So it keeps being like, Agent 37 wah, wah, wah. And the specific line Is uh, He's the spy, the spy with the face of swirls He gets all the girls But he calls them women because girls Though it fits the rhyme scheme is kind of misogynistic And doesn't show proper respect for the other equal sex Agent 37 wah, wah, wah. And I have never found a moment That sums up Dick Grayson as well as that moment I'm curious,
0: and this is going into super minutiae on just, like, that storyline, but do you know if there was any reason why they chose Agent 37 for him? Is that an easter egg of any kind, or did they just pull a fucking number out of
1: thin air? Not that I know of, but it's entirely possible.
0: I just... Uh, I, I always kind of wonder about that sometimes. whenever, Whenever somebody is given a number... In something like this It's usually some sort of callback
1: I I assume the 7 is in there To get the double uh, The James Bond reference Because they really did market that series As like James Bond But Dick Grayson Mm -hmm. And then I assume I'm going to go with the 30 part Being just so it's not like Agent 7 Like just you know So MGM's lawyers aren't like knocking on their door What was that Oh I think that's wrong
0: I was going to say, what was his number
1: in uh, Get Smart? But that's Agent 86, so never mind. I I only ever saw the Steve Carell Get Smart movie, and it was not very good. So. Oh, you need to
0: go back and watch the series. Don Adams is something special. That's classic, yeah.
1: I've heard great things.
0: That's That's another one of um, those weird series I grew up with because limited cable options in a small town.
1: Yeah. I've always wanted to try it. And, uh, the man from uncle, just since we're thinking of spy shows, comics, movies now. Yeah. I wonder
0: if there's a, I mean, maybe there isn't, maybe they just pulled a number out of the air. I was just curious about that when I was reading it.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, any last thoughts on Dick Grayson though? Any, <laughs> we, we've kind of stumbled through the five different roles of Dick Grayson. That, yeah. The big ones. Um, the only other thing that,
0: like, really ever stood out to me from uh, from Mr. Grayson was just the use of his family's lineage and just the name Grayson and the way everything unfolded in the uh, Court of Owls storyline, even though that's a lot more Batman-centric.
1: Oh. Yeah, it turns out that his family was, like, he he was supposed to be raised to be a Talon for the Court of Owls, so a, a hitman, basically. Mm-hmm. He was the Gray Sun. Uh, I always thought that was a little extra, but it was a really cool moment when it happened at the same time.
0: I Yeah. Yeah, that, that was more it. I was like, Gray Son, okay. Like you said, extra. But fuck, this is cool. Uh, in, <laughs> and then especially Nightwing once you Rebirth, see Talons,
1: too, you're like, fuck, they're cool. Like... <laughs> in Nightwing Rebirth which is right after the series Grayson ends it is Nightwing the first part of it is Nightwing trying to take down the Court of Owls mm. and not just like Batman versus the court but Nightwing versus the court on a much more personal front and it's a it's a really good story so
0: I also uh, really want to read that just because of how much I enjoy kind
1: of everything having to do with the Court of Owls to be honest Oh, it's a a great setup. I definitely recommend it. Uh, My last thoughts, I guess, on Nightwing is I'm going to make fun of a most recent decision they did. They did Nightwing Rebirth. It was doing great. It got great numbers. Grayson is some of the best recommendations that they had. Uh, Grayson isn't just written by Tom King. It's Tom King and Tim Seeley. And then Tim Seeley took over Nightwing and Tom King left for Batman. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason... They decided that they needed to wildly change up Dick Grayson in comic books, partly because they got tired of all of the dick jokes. (laughs) And part of the reason why Grayson works is because they lean into it. They are just like, let's just own this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they shoot Nightwing in the head. They give him amnesia and then they make him an angry, edgy Jason Todd wannabe. Oh, he goes by Gray for a while course he does uh and really quickly people are like yeah i'm not doing that like we're not doing that and it's they later change it to richard and there's a whole lot of like the entire bat family being like no we need dick grayson back he's the only thing that holds us together we're all assholes come on man please we desperately need dick grayson and he's like no no i don't know who that is i'm richard now i'm not dick i'm not nightwing and they're like oh shut up Um, and it was, they they finally countered it of like, it was a plot by the court of owls, but it was a good year or two of DC trying really hard to make this a thing. And everyone who likes Dick Grayson being like, this is, you just took out every reason why I like this character. Yeah. If I wanted dark edgy, Robin, I would literally just go read the Jason Todd series that you publish. Yeah, yeah. I was, like, give, yeah, they, I give was me gonna say my they have a Robin for that, so <laughs> they've got two. They've got Damien as well. Yeah.
0: Okay, so this, I, I guess, I do have one more question for you, just to get your take on it. It pertains a little Absolutely. bit more to the role of Robin in general, but as he was the original Robin, what do you feel about the more? Obviously, this wasn't in mind when they first created the character. But how, what do you feel about the more modern idea of the role of Robin potentially being Batman's failsafe against himself?
1: Oh, that's not the one I, way I thought you were going with it. Uh, I actually really like that one, that he's like, I obviously need someone to keep me off the edge. And that's what Robin is there for. Um And someone to take me down if we need to. It's the same reason that Superman gave Batman the kryptonite. Mm -hmm. I think most good superheroes have set up a failsafe of here's the person that will call me out when I need calling out. Here's the person who will stop me if I ever need stopping. Uh, Where did you think I was going? I like the idea that Robin is a distraction for Batman to be sneaky, and that's why he wears bright colors. Oh, (laughs) I've heard it. Proposed seriously and jokingly, and it's horrifying if you think about it at all. I think it's a great that Batman's joke. Like, Batman's like, hey, kid, kid, put on this bright yellow cape and go punch that. Okay, cool. You're, you see how they're all pointing guns at you? Now I'm going to sneak up behind them. It's horrifying, <laughs> but it kind of works in its own way. Dick Grayson is the only Robin that works with, because he's a trained acrobat. He's a trained, like... Right. Jason Todd that doesn't work was with. a car thief and Tim Drake was a computer nerd. Like it does not go the same way.
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a funny joke. Uh if anyone actually tries to propose that seriously, I'd probably laugh in their face.
1: Yeah. Uh if you ever have you ever read texts from superheroes? Oh yeah. Oh, it's amazing. If if people if you somehow have not read texts from superheroes, absolutely check them out. The The version of Batman from that that is just obsessively collecting Robins because he's going through them at an astounding rate uh, is just my favorite. It is the best joke Batman I think I've ever seen. Point is, I at least very much like Dick Grayson. You at least enjoy Dick Grayson. People should read Grayson in particular, but almost anything with the character you are going to... Have an enjoyable time. Watch Young Justice. His growth in that series is really incredible. Was it in... Okay, sorry. I'm going to back it up about two minutes. Back it up about two minutes. Was it in
0: Grayson where they uh, talked about Batman putting him in the bright colors?
1: I just read something about that. It might have come up in that one. It It's it's come up enough times that I don't really remember specifically like where I first read that, but I remember hearing about that idea as far back as like middle school. Like cause it's either in
0: Grayson or it's in the black mirror where there's a scene where there's a flashback to, to uh, Dick having a conversation in the bat cave with Batman and Batman's like, you're going out in these colors. Like, I go out in the dark, but I'm not making your costume dark. Because if you go out and you learn only in the dark, and that's taken away from you, then you're basically crippled. You want your enemies to know where you're coming from so you can fight them head on, and you have to earn the dark.
1: Uh, that sounds very Scott Snyder, so I'm going to guess that's Black Mirror, but I'm not sure.
0: I did kind of like that idea of, like, no, because I'm not going to set you up to fail if you ever have to fight without the Dark on your side.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. And he did earn the Dark. I mean, his costume is mostly black now, yet he still manages to not be heh, a dick. Yeah. <laughs> being dick.
0: All right. Uh, that's about is, all I have for This entire so podcast,
1: no. this is why DC did that name change. It didn't work. No. I just made me call him Dick with all the more emphasis, but... I see their point now, at least. <laughs> um, uh, any any recommendations this week? Uh, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, I got a recommendation. With everything going on, most things are canceled in some way. And yeah. if you're like me, who, beyond just normal nerdy things, also enjoys the sports world and are missing that, Uh, Even though some of the stuff, like what I'm missing, wouldn't even have come back at this point anyway, but that's beyond. Uh, I'm going to recommend Blood Bowl 2 to combine football with fantasy craziness. Yeah, that's the like Warhammer football game, right? Right. Um, I mean, I kind of recommend Blood Bowl in general, but they have, you know, like video game versions now. So you don't have to deal with setting it up and like setting it up and doing all the roles. All that is a lot of fun, but sometimes you just need something super streamlined that you just want to sit down and do. Yeah. Like right after work without having to set shit up. Uh, Blood Bowl two is yeah. Football mixed with the Warhammer fantasy races and it goes a lot more back to the, like more old school Warhammer where there's a lot more comedy, like 150% more comedy, if not more.
1: <laughs> yeah. Back when they were like, Hey, this should be fun and not just grimdark. Uh,
0: I do. I want a really quick shout out. Uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, my boy Angus, me and him used to play blood bowl back in the day. Cause his brothers, uh, his older brothers were Now looking back on it, bigger nerds than I realized. (laughs) (laughs) It's always fun. Um, And they had, uh, I think it was Blood Bowl 3rd Edition, something like that. We would set it up, try to play it. It was super complicated for a couple seven-year-olds. So I, I don't know if we ever played it completely right. And we would streamline some things just to make it easier on us. Some things I think we accidentally streamlined just because we didn't completely understand the sheer amount of rules and rolling that goes on behind the scenes of that. But the video game version is basically all the shit that me and him would streamline to make the game go faster and easier. Perfect. Classic. It's, it sounds weird, Playing football in a turn based system, (laughs) and that it sounds like that would be not doable at all. But they change up the rules enough so that although it's still recognizable
1: as football, like it works with turns, and as it's football with so it's turn based football with orcs and murder,
0: yeah, lots of murder. Uh, lots of orbs. Oh, I don't like
1: football, and even that sounds good.
0: Uh, although I tend to play Chaos a bit more often myself. Uh, or Undead. Undead is a lot of fun, too. and But also, like, elves, and there's minotaurs, and uh, lizard people, and dwarves, and skaven, and vampires. I don't know. Like I said, I'm recommending it. I just... I. I'm having a hard time not sitting here and spending like 10 minutes explaining how it works because turn-based football, when you just say that phrase, shouldn't work. Instead, I'll just say like look up a video or something so I'm not sitting here trying to explain it for
1: like 10 minutes. But Try it out. Find out for yourself. Apparently it works. You're not the only person that's even recommended it to me, so obviously something's going right. It's a
0: lot of fun. Uh, It's a lot of turn-based strategy, but you can still get your football kick in and you can get your murdery fantasy kick in too, so.
1: a boy With a lot of humor mixed in, a lot, so. Uh, yours sounds more fun than mine, although mine was still a really interesting read. Um, I'm going with The Secret History of the Mongol Queens, How the Daughters of Genghis Khan Rescued His Empire by Jack Weatherford. You told me about this one time, I think, before we even started this
0: podcast.
1: I really enjoyed this book. Um, I'm a big fan of the Mongols. It comes up in the Art of War gaming all the freaking time. Uh, the Mongols are one of the most interesting empires ever. Although I am not, uh, historians are either super rosy about Genghis, Ga- Genghis Khan being like he's this, he was an amazing, perfect man. Other people being like he was a monster. I'm somewhere in between. A lot of good things happened because of Genghis Khan, but I'm not going to say like oh he was. He was trying to make the world a better, but he was trying to make himself and his tribe crazy rich. Uh, and he succeeded. Uh, um, I myself also extremely love
0: Mongol history. And I will once again shout out Angus to that, too, for making me play uh, Genghis Khan 2, Clan of the White Wolf on Sega Genesis back in
1: the day. So <laughs> Nice. Uh, this was about... Mongol history, if you read it, especially as it was just written out, like if you read the secret history of the Mongols, women aren't really mentioned that much. But if you do research into Mongol history, really incredible, amazing women are giants in it. it, If according to this guy, that if you look into it, they've clearly been cut out of history. And this was his attempt to look back and find the the history of these amazing Mongol women that were erased. Uh, it is a very fascinating read. This guy, I think, is a little too far up Genghis Khan's ass sometime, but it's worth it for just the, sh- the sheer fascination of this. It is nonfiction. It is a little plodding at times, like a lot of nonfiction historical writing is. But I highly recommend it if that's your thing.
0: I am, I don't know how soon I'll get to it just based on my own personal reading list, but that is something I will get to based on my own interest in the Mongols, so... Oh, yeah. Because, um, yeah, it wasn't just Genghis Khan 2, Clan of the White Wolf, like, that just spurred something else in me, and I've done a lot of reading myself, so... A lot of, a lot of interesting stuff, but well, like you said, uh, you hardly ever hear anything about the women in the Mongol Empire... And so that makes me more excited to learn about something I haven't got to learn about rather than just. Oh, yeah,
1: that's why I picked it up. Rather than
0: just hearing, you know, how much land jeep the arrow conquered for the 500th
1: time. Which is super cool still. Yes. And before you read that, you should uh, you should like, subscribe, check out our various podcasts on our network.
0: Oh, man, that would be awesome. Uh, Yeah, hit subscribe, however you're listening to this right now, because that would be super cool, and it makes sure that you keep hearing these episodes whenever they come out. Also, like you said, over on the network... You can go over to the website www.generalnerdcast.com and check out all of our back catalog links up at the top will show you that we are part of the Earworm Network Uh, go to all the other shows through there pretty easily listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirms Uh, Zach you mentioned Mongols come up on the Hard War Gaming
1: Uh, We're actually starting our new book I believe next week. Ooh, That's exciting too Um and Roger so you can read something to his generals.
0: I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can hear them talk about war gaming mixed with war. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's a good yeah. way to describe uh, it.
1: <laughs> yeah. War gaming and war. That's that's sums it up.
0: <laughs> you can always contact us through the website or by emailing us general nerdery podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to take a look at, or if you want to keep up to date on all the shows across the network, you can always just head to www.yourverm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. And if there's any way for you to leave a review rather than like just rating us, however you're listening to us, that super helps us get into the algorithm and just spreads the word. So that would also be awesome. Also,
1: it just helps us get better. Yeah. Reviews will tell us what we're doing well and what we're doing badly and Lord knows we're doing a lot of both of those. Yeah. So hit us up. We would love to hear from you. However you decide to do it. So we know how we're doing. Please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in In the meantime, we will see you next week with uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. Oh, my which God. You've seen. I have not seen. You're very excited for this one.
0: Uh, short preview of next week's episode. The first time I watched it, it made me cry thrice.
1: Thrice. Thrice. In the meantime, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. D- D- dismissed.